Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 13. Just a reminder with the holidays coming, to order my books today from Amazon or Bear Manor Media. Today's guest is a premier television historian. He is one of video podcast hosts Stu Showstack's resident TV critics, appearing multiple times per year on Stu's show, giving his insights on both current and classic television. Wesley has also written multiple books, including tomes on daytime television, The Red Skelton Show, The Carol Burnett Show, and The Bob Hope TV Specials. Here he is, Wesley Hyatt. Right, so on the phone I have uh, Wesley Hyatt, who is an author and a TV historian, among other things. Um, I guess, Wesley, since I've never really spoken to you before directly, I've seen you on Stu's show and other uh, podcasts, I believe. Uh, but how did you get interested in this? What is your background of being an historian of pop culture and TV and things like that? Uh, well, let me see. Um... I would say, basically, uh, I grew up there in the 1970s when kind of there was a a pretty big explosion of writing about pop culture subjects and so on that way. Uh, You know, there were a lot of uh, nostalgia books coming out about radio and some of the earliest books on TV were coming out at the same time. And uh, I just had kind of a natural affinity to learning the... um, TV history in particular for some reason uh, there were you know other books on cinema and, and theater and so on and music and I looked at some of them but I found that uh, for some reason I could uh, retain and learn things about TV history uh, better than anything else um, and so I didn't think much of it other than like reading a lot of the books uh, particularly um, the um, Tim Brooks and Earl Marsh book on the complete directory primetime TV series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a big influence on me right there. Um, also, Alec McNeil's uh, Total Television as well. I used yep. that one a lot. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then, um, so I just basically had them, and, and when I was in college, I was uh, majoring in communications at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And uh, while I was there, I looked and saw, you know, I could actually get a double major here in English, and that would go along pretty well with that and get it together. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, then I actually became, I learned I kind of had a better propensity towards writing and editing than I did for, say, like becoming a director or producer or anything like that. So that drove my career, and I started going into working in newspapers and so on that way. And I, after Let's see, I think around it was in 1994, I think I'd been doing um, weekly newspapers for seven years, and I just needed a break of, mm-hmm. of editing them. It was just uh, kind of uh, a wearying process. And by that time, I realized that um, there had not been a book that I felt really covered daytime television well mm-hmm. uh, out on the market. And I said to myself, you know, I think I can do this. Um, so let me go ahead and see what's needed to do to uh, write a book like this and what's all involved. So I went to the writer's market to book, um, went around and checked out, uh, learned learned a lot that I didn't know and then found out uh, what publishers would be interested in that sort of thing and uh, wrote a query letter. And uh, luckily I got 
a good response from Billboard Books um, hmm. uh, about them wanting to. Uh, they said, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Give us a, uh, a little outline and proposal, and you know, we'll, we'll give you a full thing." So I basically had to write. Uh, I was trying to think what would be a good representative chapter. So I basically wrote all the um, rough stuff that I had about every uh, daytime show that started with the letter F. <laughs> uh, which was a pretty good, um, you know, way to do it. I was able to cover a lot of stuff. Uh, they liked it, and I went on and did it there. Um, and that's basically my first uh, book that I did there. That that was a lot. Of, that took a lot of time, though. It took uh, two years of research, and um, before it finally came out, and I think it's officially dated in '98. But I put the manuscript and gave it to them in '97. Now, did you actually view at least one episode of every show, or were there some that are just totally elusive because of just not existing anymore or something like that? Oh, yeah, there are hundreds of them like that. I've been compiling it to try and just see my own thing like, well, what can I see on Facebook or, uh, not Facebook, on on, on videos online and anything like that. It might be in the uh, archives, and um, to my surprise, there's a fair amount of them in there, and that um, partly due to, um, you know, daytime television never had the same prestige as nighttime did. Right. Uh, they were not um, kept as well. There was less chance that you would have to record one of the shows and send it uh, to uh, a non-affiliated station like you did with some of the live shows at the time there. And then when they switched to videotaping, uh, a lot of the shows, what they did was just use the same videotapes over and over and not not store the material. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of shows um, uh, from uh, uh, the 40s to the 70s where we absolutely have no copies whatsoever, mm-hmm. you know, which is just uh, heartbreaking to think uh, that that happens. You know, I guess we ought to be glad we do actually have some copies of shows that did make it through during that time there. But, uh, yeah, I tried to watch as many as I could in the time in the 90s, which was before YouTube, before the internet, you know, so I had to basically pick and choose what I could do in archives and what I got there from um, the studio show stacks business at the time that showed this video. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, a few other sources where they were uh, selling uh, copies of old shows that I could watch, uh, which was a big help because uh, a lot of the, the material that had been out there was incomplete on uh, uh, on the, the cast and the storylines, particularly for like soap operas and so on that way. So that helped them fill in a pretty good amount of gaps. Hmm. Okay. Um, when you started, I, I think it existed. I think it was called the Museum of Broadcasting back then, right? Uh, did you use yeah. them as a resource for the book and things like that? Yes, I did. I, I went there a couple of times there. I think at the, the New York office. I don't know if I went to, I have to check and see if I did the UCLA, um, not, not UCLA one, but uh, I, I don't know if I did the one out in California. I may have. Okay. Um, I can't remember because it was interesting times. Because once I got the book sold, that was when I was starting to um, work uh, as a uh, assistant uh, in, in publicity for Casey and the Sunshine Band. So I was going <laughs> on tours around the world at the same time while trying to write my book, and it was a it was a very interesting experience, you know, doing that. And it was it was a lot going on there at the time. So uh, yeah, it was. Wow. And I also went through. Um, uh, 
including in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That's where the University of North Carolina is located at. And if you're a resident of the town, you could uh, get a library card that would give you access to using their archives. And so they had all the issues of Variety magazine on uh, um, okay. uh, on on, on this, their uh, what, mic- microfilm or microfiche? Uh, microfiche, yeah, okay. microfiche, <laughs> microfilm. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. And TV Guide, they had it all the way back to 1954. And oh, wow. um, Billboard also, they used to review um, TV shows back in the 1950s before it just went totally for music coverage in 1958. Hmm. Um, so those were good resources. Plus, I also used the Reader's Guide uh, to periodical literature to look up uh, what... Um, mainstream uh, magazines uh, any articles they might have done reviews on shows as well so I got a pretty good uh, assessment that way of um, a lot of good information and I think I used about 30 reference books as well to check out uh, things and kind of collaborate information where I could um, so there was a lot uh, of going in there and uh, I, I think that's one thing that younger generations are going to not necessarily miss, but uh, won't have the same kind of uh, process that we did of of having to take time and go in the archives and then look for stuff rather than, like, you know, you can download a lot of things nowadays and just get them online. Uh, It was, you know, you just basically had to uh, set up time to go to these libraries and make sure you got there. You know, some of them had short hours where they had the archive. It was, it, you know, it was a real challenge at the time. Wow. Because so, <laughs> yeah. I've done research too, but yeah, more of my research and my books are like later on, so I I am a, a, not a victim, what's the word? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm able to use uh, online uh, sources a lot easier than maybe you did at the time you did your first book, so. Um, yeah, the first one was really, it was, I, I might have used a little bit of the internet stuff, but really, um, I, I didn't there. A lot of it was just hands-on, and including um, going there uh, for the, the pictures from PhotoFest in New York, I went there, and they just gave me files to go through, and I picked out which uh, pictures to use. Um, it, it was a exciting process, but uh, I'm still amazed I got it done with, but it was, it was good. So. Now, in doing all that, uh, did you find any really glaring er- errors in the two main books you mentioned, like the network shows and the total television book, that they're just completely wrong because they didn't know or whatever? Well, I found some information, yeah, I think I did, uh, I know in um, the uh, Brooks and Marsh book, they had, um, Eddie Furness did a show called Byline, and they just, um, they didn't know the character's name, and I was able to find the character's name, because it was listed in a review and billboard, so I was very happy about uh, getting that little exclusive that way. Um, there were a, a few other things um that I had to clarify some about, um, like like in the Brooks and Marsh book, I think they claimed uh, that the daytime version of To Tell the Truth used the same cast as the nighttime one, and that's not the case. Mm. Uh, yeah. They did for a couple of years, but during the early years they had uh, um, some they used more than others, a few other um, people that they had uh, in their uh, listing there. Um, so that was one there, and for... Uh, 
paternal television, I think I just was able to have more information, particularly in terms of like the storylines for the soap operas, um, getting that uh, together, um, and maybe some of the other, uh, some more details about some of the uh, shows in general than they were able to, than Alex McNeil was able to have um, for, for the show at the time there. So I tried to, wherever possible, like, um, when they had some kind of uh, entertainment show, if I could find some interesting guests they had on there or uh, any interesting presentations, I'd try and uh, include that and uh, help it stand out that way. Mm-hmm. Was there any any discoveries that you found that weren't even mentioned in the other books? Yeah, in fact, there's some that are still not even mentioned really on the Internet today, which is oh. incredible. Like, um, I have a, a show in the... Uh, uh, it's like via daytime television called Real Life that was on NBC in 1966 and 1977. It didn't last that long, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a show there on their mornings before they uh, replaced it. I think with Sunset Beach. Um, they good luck finding anything about that. There, there's no <laughs> listing for it in IMDb or in uh, Wikipedia. Wow. Um, and I've yeah, and I've looked in Wikipedia. Wikipedia has some list uh, for some shows, but they don't have um, the uh, any entries for some of the shows as well. But they have, um, particularly ones in the fifties. I think that's where they're really uh, kind of slowing there because I think oh, there's very few people who remember a lot of them, or they didn't uh, have TV at the time. You know, so that, that kind of uh, cut down on the ability to uh, put them in there. And again, like I said, there's no real copies of a lot of them mm, yeah. either. So, um, you know, sometimes I'm afraid, you know, for some of them all we know that they existed because we have the records and the TV logs about them uh, going that way. So um, that was uh, rather interesting to to do that. And then for uh, some of the others, um, I noted for um, Total Television, they didn't have as much coverage of, they don't really cover... um, Sporting events, you know, so on there I covered, I mentioned everything about uh, uh, football, you know, NCAA football, NFL football, mm-hmm. baseball, basketball, and all the sports series they had on the weekend I would uh, include there as well, you know, the coverage. And um, it was kind of uh, interesting to see, like, CBS so, was trying soccer back in the 1960s, and it, it was a um, pretty big failure for them, but. Um, I've seen a video where they were even promoting it on their morning news one time. They were they were thinking that was going to be the big sport of the future, and uh, <laughs> they were maybe right about 50 years later, but, you know, in the 1960s, it was a, a pretty big spot for them. Now, is there anything you didn't cover? I assume local shows or something like that, right? Or would you still cover that local if it was like a shows major person on it? <laughs> well, we had uh, we had a word limit there. They went and didn't want the books to be too long. Really, we're trying trying to keep it around. I think it was around five hundred and some pages. So, uh, with the word count there, uh, I went with them, and they they said it was going to be too long as originally proposed. So, I thought about what okay, what can I limit here that I didn't? And uh, one that made sense to me was um, that okay, daytime reruns of nighttime shows uh, that. that We've already got sources for most of those shows, so I, you know, like including Brooks and Mars. So 
I can just leave those listed as an appendix there. Those weren't really made for daytime anyway. Right. So that knocked out a hundred shows there, and the publisher said, "Okay, that'll work. That'll work fine." <laughs> so I was able to do that. Um, I also had to limit. I think uh, I, when it came to syndicated shows, I had to limit the top fifty of them there that I thought were the most um, distinctive ones there, but there were a couple of syndicated shows there that I had that I don't think exist in any other reference books that I've seen. Uh, there was like a sewing show, I can't remember what it was, but it even had a little article on it, a TV guide that I saw about it, um, and um, uh, one film woman show, I think it was called Four, there was one called Four Women Only, which was a syndicated show back in 1953 uh, that came out, and um, yeah, it was pretty obscure then, but I was like, well, it, it did appear, so mm -hmm. I'll put it in there and, you know, to keep it going that way, so. <laughs> well, this is kind of a weird aside. Um, wasn't the the show that uh, Christopher Walken kind of popularized on Saturday Night Live, The Continental, Didn't wasn't that a daytime show? And is no, it, that was a nighttime. Oh, it was show. a nighttime yeah, show. Never mind. Okay. Back in the, yeah, yeah. Back in the fifties, it would be the first one. Uh, supposedly before uh, the last show going off the air, you know, the guy thing uh, going to say good night to you, darling. You know, so okay. yeah. The, the only reason I mentioned that is because I thought it was a daytime show, but my dad had told me recently that apparently no copies exist except for audio of like one of the shows or something like that. So, and yet it's kind yeah. of known because Mad Magazine, well, it was a comic book, actually did a parody of it, and then like I said, Christopher Walken. So, just kind of an obscure, <laughs> yeah. excuse me, thing to say. And it's about. interesting that you um, you mentioned Mad Magazine because any anyone who's seen my books might have known. I've tried to resist it but there's been the temptation there you know for some sometimes when I've been hard to fill up something or anything and it just hits me I'm like I think it's worth mentioning I mentioned like a mad magazine oh yeah you know, <laughs> so it was like the counting until I think yeah. is what they called it in that uh -huh. yeah um now you did a number of these type of books I was kind of looking over your uh biography bibliography or whatever you call it <laughs> 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 sure. Getting all choked <laughs> up about it. Um, your first like book about one show in particular was the Red Skelton book. Is that correct, or am I wrong on that? That, that is correct. Okay. That is correct. Okay. That's the first one I did. I did after daytime television. In fact, via daytime television, okay. I did the Billboard book of number one adult contemporary hits. Yeah. And then I did uh, short-lived TV series 1948-1978, and then I did the book on the Red Skelton show. Okay. And um, that one I picked out because uh, I, I, I did want to try and challenge myself. I'm like, uh, well, I've written about a lot of, I've written a lot about a lot of different shows. Let me see if I can cover one in depth. Mm -hmm. And uh, it hit me that Red Show was there. Uh, this was when they were, this was about 15, 20 years ago when they were starting to show some of the earlier shows on TV, on public television. Um, and uh, I thought, okay, I can maybe go ahead and um, get something out of this. I was able to see online uh, that uh, UCLA and um, the uh, Museum of Broadcasting, which is now the Paley Center for Media, mm -hmm. uh, had some copies of the shows that I could view as well. So I went ahead and um, proposed that to McFarland, and they liked the idea. And um, I uh, went with 
challenging because he had vowed he was never going to put his shows out for sale. Um, but then he uh, died about 20 years ago, and his widow or whoever owns his estate right now just decided, okay, we're not going to have this vendetta against the CBS <laughs> that we have, but we need to make some money. So they, they released his show. But he was really ticked off with CBS canceling his show when it was in the top ten in the 1970s. Right. Um, but CBS had its reasons uh, because they were going to re- have to do renew his contract. Uh, I think they were looking at a three-year renewal, and they figured out at best they would break even um, because mm-hmm. his audience was getting older and it skewed to uh, the poor and less educated uh, segments as well, and uh, advertisers were becoming more obsessed about demographics and uh, they just decided uh, at CBS that it was the same time there when Mike Dan uh, had a really bad season. He had to do a lot of special programming to keep CBS at number one for that season and um, they decided to dismiss him. They just thought part of the problem was that he just lost his touch and as part of that this is when they got rid of uh, Red Skelton and um, Jackie Gleason and Petticoat Junction because they thought they were all, even though they're all doing relatively well, their audiences were getting older and, and yeah. not very uh, attractive that way. So um, Red did get to, um, his producer did pitch the idea of um, doing a half hour version of his show to NBC the following season, but that, um, that was a disappointment. Gunsmoke beat it on CBS. And NBC canceled it, and uh, there was even, uh, I think they were trying to pitch the show into syndication in 71, but people were like, you know, Red, you've been on, on TV for 20 years. And anyone who's seen, if you see the uh, the last year, it was it was pretty sad. It was pretty evident that he needed <laughs> to go on TV. <laughs> Although I have to admit, that was the first year I ever remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're roughly the same age, I believe. So, you know, and because yeah. of that, I don't really remember Red Skelton much on TV. What what possessed you to pick that series? Was it just because it was a, its longevity, or you are a Skelton fan, or both, or? Uh, it was mainly his longevity. Yeah, I mean, most of the shows um, I, that was about one of the few shows that had run twenty years or longer that had not been covered in any books at the time. There, um, apart from ones that no one really cared about, like maybe Meet the Press and some other, you know, <laughs> things like that. And I just thought, okay, in this 20 years, there might be some interesting stories behind here uh, about the creation and development and, and get it together. And uh, it, it turned out that there was. The problem with Brett is um, that he, unlike some of the other ones that I've covered, like Bob Hope and Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball and, and many others, he, he didn't have much respect for his writers. He would openly mock them on the show sometimes. <laughs> he didn't think that things were coming together. He'd throw in old lines. Um, I saw one show, I got a copy of one of his scripts with uh, Merv Griffin on it, where my gosh, what was written down the original script and what happened on the show were just, uh, it was lucky that a few lines even made it in from the script <laughs> in the show, you know, it veered off so totally with him, he would go into the audience for this one thing and then, you know, and um, it, it was just the way he kind of uh, improvised and everything like that. Uh, 
organizations were funny. Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, did not work as much. Um, but I think uh, eventually it's what uh, got him was just he kept on relying on his tried and true jokes um, going that way. And uh, he... Um, he never he never really appreciated what the writers did bring to him there and I think that cost him from getting the best writers who could maybe maximize his talent even further if he let them well do you think it would have been saved even if he had changed the writers I don't know it's like it just seems like it ran its course probably at that well, point well yeah he, he did go for a lot of writers the most notorious thing was uh, he had Bob Schiller and Bob Weisskopf were his main writers and they were had written uh, I Love Lucy, you know, and some other uh, and other big hits and everything. Mm-hmm. And right there, towards the end of the season, when his show was ranked number one for the last couple of weeks in the 1966-67 series season, and in fact, if I, I imagine if um, the Smothers Brothers comedy hour come on a little bit earlier and cut off some more of the ratings for Bonanza. Red Show might have been number one for 1966-67, but anyway, the show was number one for the last couple of weeks, and at the same time, he decided to fire um, Schiller and Weisskopf as his head writers. Hmm. So, someone at uh, the one of the Los Angeles papers, uh, Hal Humphrey, I think it was, heard about it, tracked them down. Um, uh, it was the LA Times, and boy, did they let out on, on Red. They just, you know, just said, we were, you know, he fired us because we made him number one. You know, we have no idea. I was like, you know, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty uh, big statement uh, to make at the time there. Uh, he did get other writers, but, um, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that after his show was canceled in 1971, most of those writers went on to other TV series and more success <laughs> and read struggled to get any any TV work after that. Mm. You know, it was kind of sad. Now, um, you kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago, but um, you said that he tried to, or maybe he didn't, but uh, tried to do, like, Lawrence Welk or Hee Haw or something, is, like, continue on in a syndication life? Yeah, yeah, and there were no takers there oh, okay, for the time, okay. because um, I think they had seen what had happened on the last season of... Uh, yeah on NBC and it was just not uh, not working there well they they included it um, in the uh, time life um, section they released I think they've included all those shows from his last season on NBC yeah. and it's a really bad indication I mean he just uh, he was showing his age I think he was like around uh, 57 at the time and uh, and trying to do things like he did his um, mean little kid thing, trying to pretend like he's a baby. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was painful to watch. It's like, yeah, it's like the Three Stooges when they got older. The hitting didn't look so funny when they're old and wrinkly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it just, it didn't, um, it, it just didn't uh, wear well. You know, it was just mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know. It was looking like he was doing comedy back in the 50s and, and you know, it was in the early 70s and people were kind of changing for a different, uh, planning for a different style, you know. And it just uh, showed that CBS was right in deciding to, to can him, even though it was in the top 
Ken because it was just uh, creatively he was just uh, losing his spark. You know? I, I don't think you said I don't think you did a book on Jackie Gleason, but he had the same like longevity. What was the story there? Why did that show go? Was it the same reason? That show went. Yeah, his audience was getting older, okay. and it was getting there, and um, there were also complaints about his um, his shows as well. You know, the shows by that time had all become the hour-long version of the honeymooners, you know, where they'd be yeah. theme songs and going on vacation and everything. It was just like, it's not the honeymooners that were the classic ones back in the 50s, you know, and um, he, he uh, was also, he had been doing pretty well in the ratings, but then he was being challenged by uh, younger shows. You know, ABC was actually doing pretty good running um, Let's Make a Deal and the Newlywed Game opposite it and Saturday Nights, believe it or not. So um, CBS kind of, um, and I think his contract was up there too, like I read. That was the main thing. Uh, CBS had figured out, well, I think uh, if I read uh, correctly that uh, if they had renewed um, Jackie Gleason on the contract he had they would have actually lost money because oh, wow. there were not enough sponsors interested in uh, going with the show uh, what it had at the time there and um, like Red he didn't he didn't respect his writers enough you know <laughs> didn't really publicize them as much as the uh, because so. I've seen some of the time life releases that have been coming out in the last couple of years, and the shows look very similar in style, even though I don't think they were produced with anything in common, right? You know, because Gleason's yeah, in Miami not, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, exactly. But they had kind of a similar appeal. You're right about that, and, yeah. and how they had it. And um, yeah, it was. Um, you know, I don't want to sound ageist, but you know, he and he and Red were getting in their late fifties or early sixties there, and uh, so were their audience, and they weren't attracting younger viewers because they weren't really on the the cutting edge or anything. They were kind of relying on their old tricks, and um, when the new generation of programmers were coming up, like Fred Silverman and everything like that, they they said, you know, we need something. Um, more up to date on and and generating it. In fact, it's pretty interesting. I, I compiled some things that saw if you had turned on to TV back in 1966, I'm sorry, 1966 schedule, mm-hmm. you had Red and Jackie Gleason and Lawrence Welk and Ed Sullivan and Gary Moore. Uh, and Milton Burrow. You have these were all stars of the variety shows on thing. Burrow just started a new show on ABC, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think they're all average. You know, they were all like in their fifties or above. You yeah. know, and that was just showing uh, how TV variety was getting aged at the time. Whereas if you look like six years later, in nineteen seventy-two, your stars were like Carol Burnett and Sonny and Cher mm-hmm. and um, Flip Wilson all of them were in their 30s you know it was a lot it was a generational shift thing that kind of had to happen you know yeah. the so that's probably the same thing you know you could lump Ed Sullivan show in there as well just older generation even if he had younger people perform like say the Jackson 5 or whatever in the last years 
they didn't care over at CBS. Was he up for contract too, or is it just let's dump them all with the proverbial rural purge that they always talk about? Yeah, I think it was a rural purge. I think Ed was kicked off enough. He didn't have a big finale, grand finale show. He could have, you know, because yeah. it was coming up on his 23rd anniversary. He did convince CBS to have a 25th anniversary special, and he did do a couple of other specials for CBS after that that mm-hmm. uh, they needed it. But, yeah, I think um, Fred Silverman and the rest of them were just really not happy with the way CBS was going with uh, its presentation of comedy and variety in general and they just thought they needed a pretty much a clean uh, swoop of the whole situation and, and you know with he when um, uh, Ed went off I think what might have played a factor with uh, Fred Silverman was that one Sunday um they had replaced his show and uh, what was it, Lassie and uh, uh, Hogan's Heroes with a special TV debut of Ben Hur mm-hmm. from like seven to ten or seven to eleven. I can't remember how it was. It was a huge ratings hit. Um, the previous year they had done a special showing of Born Free, exempting those uh, shows, and that was a big rating hit. So friends like, well, that's what we need to do. We just need to start Sunday night for the movie and then uh, a show after that will be a hit but mm-hmm. he was wrong uh, in doing that and that uh, the audiences didn't like that and in fact CBS struggled for several years after Ed Sullivan went off to have a hit show on, on Sundays until they finally moved uh, um, all the family from Saturdays to Sundays mm. yeah it's interesting though that uh, despite everything uh, all those shows Remained high in the ratings. I don't know if they would have. It's probably looking back on it, you know, the best that they canceled all of them. But I always wonder if those shows went on into the, like the mid or even the late seventies, what would have happened to them if they just would have been really aging dinosaurs and just here comes Red again, <laughs> yawns. <laughs> here comes yeah, Ed. It here comes have, Ed. You it know. might have really. I think it really would have hurt CBS a lot the way it was going there, um, and to a certain extent NBC. I know everybody talks about how CBS canceled a lot of its shows during the World Purge, but NBC, you have to remember, they um, took off um, the Virginian, which in the last year was known as the Men from Shiloh, mm-hmm. and that was a top twenty hit. But that was again, that was a western that was um, taking up and getting on older audiences as well. Yeah. Um, you know, they had all, they, they were all um, losing the uh, 7.30 hour. It was going back to uh, local stations there at the time. So that gave them an excuse, well, we need to cut this, that, and, you know, gave them an excuse to get rid of the shows they thought were just not attracting the right audiences yeah. um, and kind of contemporizing <laughs> there. And uh, it, it did, uh, it, it helped them there. You know, I can't think, uh, I really don't know. Um, what you know I, I've looked at some of the stuff there and I, I'm like I, I can't see anything good that would have come out of Red having a, a 21st season to be honest <laughs> yeah. Hmm. you know yeah. yeah I mean even I mean he he really didn't uh, he you know he couldn't even get a a special 
with him hosting himself, you know, unlike some others that have had series canceled. You know, Jackie Gleason was able to have a couple honeymooners specials or anything like that. Red had a couple of specials, but they weren't until the 1980s and they were on HBO. Yeah. And they were just not, I mean, it was just um, him yeah, I saw doing those, yeah. uh, film concerts. We did Freddy the Freeloader, a uh, uh, drama that didn't really work. You know, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was. I guess their time had come and gone. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing I could think of that a show that was on at the same time that outstated its welcome, and I'm being ageist, but I was a little kid, and I said, "What are these old cowboys doing?" Is I never liked Gunsmoke in the '70s. It's like when I was a kid, if I saw it on TV, I'd just switch the channel. I go, "What is this show?" I didn't get it at all, and it went on until 1975. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that was another. I mean, that's the area that really got hurt. The Westerns really uh, were the victim of their their audiences aged out. And I think like a lot of, you and me and our generation, we just didn't, Westerns didn't really strike a chord with us. Mm, nope. Um, and I don't know if it was because of, it can't be just for the violence, because there were a lot of violent, you know, cop shows during the 70s and still are today and everything. I, I think it might have been might have been some political correctness. You know, there was a lot of concern about the way Indians were portrayed yeah. at the time there. Um, there was, um, I think, too, it was just the time when we were all kind of looking more into to the space race and, mm-hmm. and things beyond our, our world at the time. And um, Westerns didn't seem to have the same resonance, yeah. you know, in the 70s that they had in the, the 50s and 60s for TV viewers. Well, I always think Blazing Saddles probably killed the genre for good, at least for a while. (laughs) It's like the traditional genre, the John John Wayne, Gunsmoke, whatever type of genre, the traditional way you did a Western, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think they were helped, too. You know, every um, the ones that came on in the 70s, unless you want to count... Uh, Little House on the Prairie, which I really don't count as a no. Western, but some do. And I actually and watched I mean, that, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't consider, yeah, I consider that more of a family drama, you know. I think yeah. uh, the, the ones that came on during the 70s were big bombs, you know. Uh, there was uh, Dirty Sally and uh, The Quest and Young Daniel Boone and yeah. uh, all these others that just never could. Uh, they, they all flopped pretty quickly there. Isn't there one called yeah. a- Alias Smith and Jones? That was one I remember, title, something like that. Yep. Yeah. That <laughs> one, yeah, every, when, you know, that uh, Pete Duell committed suicide on um, uh, New Year's Eve 1971, you know, so they had to recast the show, and it was just never yeah. the same, and it was sunk uh, in the ratings that way. But that was... You know, that one's obvious knockoff of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right. You know, I, and then I one that's not really a Western, kind of is, I guess, is that one with Shatner during the mid-70s, Barbary Coast, you know. You know, I finally saw that show because I was always curious about it, and I go, I can see why that didn't work. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that period really had, was when, uh, you know, the Westerns were going in decline, you know, back yeah. in, in the 70s. I mean, when when Bonanza, remember Bonanza was canceled uh, mid-season, yeah. you know, they didn't even 
happened in 72, 73. It was uh, losing so badly to Maud, and they just, NBC just thought, okay, this is, you know, past your time. Well, again, wasn't it, get rid of you now. wasn't it death because Haas died? You know, it's like, uh, you know. Yeah, Haas died, and then they made a stupid decision at the beginning of the season. They, they got little Joe married, and then his wife was killed or died or something like that all in the first episode. So everyone was like, well, this, this is horrible. We thought it was going to be a good thing, and then you kill her as soon as it gets married, and, you know, and <laughs> they started... They started Leaving in droves, and um, you know, Maude became a big hit on CBS opposite it, and um, and so did uh, it was it was Maude followed by um, Hawaii Five O, which seems like an odd combination, but that was really big that year. They were both top five hits. I even yeah. remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty young, but yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, because my dad liked that stuff, so it's like yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff I watched was because of my dad. Um, Mine too, yeah. <laughs> my, my dad loved Columbo, which I'm like glad that that held up well. So I'm glad he picked that one, you know. Right. We only clashed when it was Brady Bunch opposite Sanford and Son. Then it was like <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I remember. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the big one there. Now that was interesting because I talked to um, um, Fred Silverman for my Carol Burnett show book, uh-huh. and um, you know, he had Sonny and Cher show, he put them opposite Sanford Son and Brady Bunch in 1972, and they were just, and the show was just beaten up to a crisp. So then he um, said, okay, well, we're gonna, um, we need to save this show, and then he looked at, Carol was doing okay, not fantastic, but okay, Wednesday at 8 to 9, he said, okay, we'll move them there, and then he's like, I don't want to put Carol's show here because I can get beat up there. So where else can I put her? Oh, well, there's uh, Mission Impossible on Saturday night. It's not um, doing as well as it used to do. And um, Bob Newhart's got a good rating there, but it's not. Let's just put, let's put, move that one to Fridays and let's put Carol's shows Saturdays at 10. Mm-hmm. And um, it benefited, you know, it did kill Mission Impossible, but. Yeah. It did benefit uh, both Sonny and Cher and Carol Burnett's show. So. <laughs> Which I did watch both of those. I, I didn't watch Carol Burnett too much at that time because of being at 10 o'clock, but mm-hmm. you know, definitely after that. And, um, of course, you wrote a book about that, which <laughs> yeah. I, I'm jealous, but you you did well. So I'll give you kudos on it. That would have been a book I would have wanted to do if nobody else had done it. So I'm glad you did that one. And I did read it from cover yeah, to cover. Yeah, I am too. I, that was one I'd always thought about doing um, in the back of my mind. But I'm like, oh, but there's no way to do it. And then, again, it hit me when Time Life started putting out the collection uh, back in... Was it 2012, 2013? And they hit me. I was like, you know, they've got enough of the original shows here. And I looked up at UCLA and I'm like, okay, they don't have all of our shows, but they have a good amount of UCLA. I said, I could probably do this here and I could probably do it episode by episode and do a really good job of it. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, uh, fate and fortune was with me. Well, not fortune, but fate, <laughs> at least. Um, and uh, I was able to see about. 80% of the shows um, in uh, either half hour form or hour form and uh, so that was pretty good uh, I found a, someone a collector I can't remember who uh, 
someone fortunately had taped the last season of the show, which wasn't in the reruns, the one without Harvey Korman, mm-hmm. but they had taped the original ones um, when they aired back in 77, 78. So I got a lot of those together too. So I really uh, was able to see um, the bulk of most shows. I think uh, there was maybe uh, one season where I was only able to see like 14 out of 24. Yeah. But otherwise, it was it was pretty good to get that. And and of course, everybody who worked with Carol wanted to talk about when you say that. And they're like, oh, we'd love the experience, and would tell me, you know, mm-hmm. it was nothing but glowing things about being with her um, and and then my the best thing for me was I got a hold of almost all the surviving writers on the show yeah. and got their input which was was great to hear what they had to say because that show really did have a good appreciation for its writers um, it went through 50 writers because they you know it's just the amount of material they had and uh, you know if you got success in the writers sometimes they Mm-hmm. It had you one uh, you for other shows, or you know, and um, it was. Uh, I was very satisfied with that book. You know, there are a few of the shows that uh, a few shows I wasn't able to see have come out on DVD since that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I've really missed anything. You know, most of them were in line with what I heard about the researching of them there, and yeah. uh, you know, there were no. Um, once when I saw, I went, oh, that's a classic. I wish I yeah. Yeah. I kind of did that myself when I saw the newer episodes, and I went back to the book to compare, and I go, eh, yeah. you got it. <laughs> you got the gist yeah. of it. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Now, yeah. I assume all the episodes do exist, even if you didn't see them. All right. Yes, they are. Um, they do exist in somewhere. The problem had been for the first five years. Um, there had been co-owned with Bob Banner Productions because he was a co-executive producer of the show. Yeah. And uh, there had been um, some legal ownership questions there after Bob Banner died a couple of years ago. And I think his estate was like, we've got these shows, let's do them. And I think they were going to try, um, you know, to put them on the market and, and, Carol wasn't sure Carol was not really wild about the first <coughs> years that before because you know she thinks that uh, um, she, she thought she was not as good an actress as she was early on but then she realized I think she realized okay these are going to go out one way or the other if we don't or we're even going to have a messy legal situation on our hand and my fans want them out there so let me go ahead and, and do that and put them out there so um, she was able to do that but if you see them, like, um, there still are a lot of rights and music issues. Hmm. So whenever she'd do a salute to, like, Cole Porter or someone like that, they couldn't put it on the on the DVD because they didn't have the music clearance rights. You know, it costs a lot to go through and get the rights to have in the catalog, so they just cut those out. And there was one on the most recent DVD thing, um, the one with um, Cass Elliott and, and, and Tim Conway, uh, there was so much music cut out from that show that that show was almost, it's almost, almost a half hour long to watch <laughs> it. And, and, to, and to make things worse, they were repeating the um, dental sketch on that show. This was during the 72, 73 
season where I, or 71 72 season that's what it was the fifth season where I noted where they the writer the original writers started getting dry and they were doing things and they just had this rehash of it yeah. so uh, basically you're just that that show I don't know why they even put that out basically because you're just stuck with you have uh, Carol's uh, questions mm-hmm. uh, sketch with the sketch with uh, Mama Cass Elliot and Carol and then uh, brief Carol and Sis with uh, Tim in it there and then the repeated Dennis sketch mm-hmm. I was like wow okay um, that's perhaps the most um, extreme example now, now there are some shows where they made their own music and, and for those you've got the full intact shows yeah. it's amazing to me and I didn't even know that um, uh, two points one is um, I used to think she just didn't want the early shows out because she was just falling into Lyle's arms, <laughs> uh, and she thought that didn't make her look good because you know she's supposed to be a strong, independent woman, and she's just and she's this married woman falling for some you know tall, hunky man, you know. So I don't know, uh, you know. But she, ha- you know, Carol strikes me as someone who has really interesting quirks about herself, as anybody probably does. But I think she, you've explained it better with the Bob Banner thing, that makes more sense. But it is, it, it does still seem like she's very uncomfortable with those shows. Um. Yeah, I think there is like, um, you know, some growth things going on there that were happening. And um, some of it, you know, some of it's, I guess, considered politically incorrect nowadays that they have that. I'm sure there were a couple that I saw that I was like, I don't think she'll ever put out while she's still alive, you know, because I think she might worry about um, some skittish reactions to, to some of them. But at the same time, um, it, it's just, um, well, even, you know, uh, Bob Mackey was saying in the DVD commentary on it, like some of those fashions that he put on in the early years, he's like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just a. Uh, something going on at, at, at the time there. But, but Carol has said, yeah, she doesn't think she was as good in the first five years as, as she was um, in the later years going on that way. And I think um, the, the comedy writing was, it was still good in the early years, but it was even better, I think, yeah. if yeah. you look at um, the later ones, you know, that she did. I, I really think if Carol had done like she was thinking about doing it and in their show after the fifth season it would not be remembered as fondly yeah. as it is today. Yeah. It's just that when I finally did see a lot of the earlier episodes, I said, This isn't as bad as she's letting on. I mean, you know, there's Yeah. There's a lot of it, the weird thing I saw and you pointed this out in the book too, is, you know, repeat sketches, that's weird. And then uh certain guests that were repeat guests that never appeared at all in later years, you know, and it wasn't because they died, it was just they didn't. Like, I think Nanette Fabre appeared, what, like a dozen times or something, and then never again after yeah. that, you know? Nanette Fabre, Martha Ray, a lot of them, I think, um, they were of a certain age, I think. I, I don't know if it was the network kind of telling, okay, you need a younger guest, or maybe it was her husband doing that or something on that, but yeah, there was, uh, yeah, Mel Torme did the show a lot, and then he you don't see him at all after the first five years. Yeah. Uh, Lucille Ball, that was a rather surprise. Like, why didn't she have Lucille on there after the first five years either? I don't know why. I mean, no. I know um, 
shows with Lucille are not as um, good as maybe she wanted them, but still, I mean, it's Lucille Ball's a big draw that yeah. way, you know. Well, especially yeah. after 74, she was free to do the show even more often. She wasn't yeah. doing a weekly series yeah. anymore, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I don't know. That was the one thing, and, and like I said, I had two questions about the um, the use of the guest stars, especially in the last couple of years, you know, when it became kind of rogue, like, oh, we're going to have Steve Lawrence on, you know, oh, it's you your man again. Oh, we got Roddy McDowell again. You know, it became uh, too too formatted that way, and I don't know um, exactly why they did that. You know, like I said, that if you look in the the last season, you know, maybe had five or six new guests who had never done the show before, right? Which like, is very, like you're showing your eleventh season. You shouldn't have that problem. You should be able to do that. And, and in fact, if you look at the history of the show, she had. Um, I think she had less than 200 guests total, for, for which for a show that ran 11 years, nearly 300 episodes, that's, that tells you she's got a lot of repeat yeah. uh, performers on there. Yeah, or she had the family show where she didn't have a guest at all, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of those. There was a lot of those, even, you know, it used to just be like, well, we'll just have that at the end of the year, but then it came, you know, sometimes three or four times a year, and, and you know, that... That just tells me, okay, you're just being cheap now. And her <laughs> husband is just like, oh, let's just don't, you know, hire anyone and get that sort of thing. Because, you know, the, you don't have to pay guest stars and, and right. get them that way. Maybe it was That's a budgetary thing. They spent all their money on getting a Betty Davis or something earlier in the season. They said, well, can't afford this From anymore. what I heard talking to people, Joe would spend the money on the sets, anything, you know, whenever they would come up like... Um, there was that one sketch where um, Tim and Harvey were on a boat and then Tim opens up a door and uh, whole gallons, you know, hundreds of gallons of water wash in and knock him down, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an incredible uh, visual gag there and that right. costs a lot of money, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but, but he would he would he'd be tight with the money there. That was Part of the reason why Lyle Wagner left was because he wasn't going to get a raise from Joe. And yeah. Joe was kind of like, uh, you know, we'll just keep you at your present salary. Um, yeah. You know, Joe was not uh, as accommodating to um, the count, talent uh, on the show when it came to uh, the budget, so maybe he could have been. Mm-hmm. You know? Is that why Lyle kind of stayed away from or you may not know this, but I'll ask you, you know, a couple of the reunion shows they had later on, he stayed away, and then he finally started showing up on... Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional or not, if it might have been scheduling from what they had okay. there, you know. Um, I just I wondered if there's any bitterness or is anything, you know, that no, lingered. I don't think, you know, I okay. don't think so. I mean, okay. I mean, they had uh, Lyle um, reference a couple of times on the shows, and... Uh, I, I don't think I think Carol had nothing but the, the okay. best intentions for him and going that way it was nowhere near as bad as some of them other many other departures I've heard from T V shows where well. it's like you know, <laughs> the person wanted to kill him afterward, you know. Right. So. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned music rights. Is there, is there any other reasons? I think you mentioned this kind of just a minute ago, but I don't remember what you said. Uh, is that Carol is still preventing a few episodes from being out there for personal reasons is that correct well i think there's some that that she 
um, would look and just go, okay, this humor just was not in tune. You know, there's a, oh, okay. she, in the earlier years, she had a lot more jokes about the Johnson administration and about President Nixon and his family and so on that way. And I think uh, she may think that's not really holding it up that well. Um, yeah. You know, and they're just, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like, oh, wouldn't it be great if they have all the shows on there? Well, well that was me. You know, Complete seasons, yes, uncut, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about nearly 300 shows there, yeah. and I don't think they could get them there. And, and it is, it's frustrating, you know, because... If you try and watch them, there's no coherent way that Time Life puts it out there. You know, yeah. they don't organize the shows chronologically. No. Um, well, that, that started with Columbia House. They started off with their haphazard way of doing them, and those are the ones I collected where they put yeah, two yeah. shows per disc, and I still have those 31 volumes, yeah. and I was hoping, please keep going, please keep going, and, and they yeah. stopped, and I was like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, and there's some of them that you know, uh, it's it's uh, it's a shame that some of them can't get out there. I think uh, the one I'd love to see get out there was the show with Ella Fitzgerald and Bing Crosby and hmm. Rowan and Martin, plus the cameo by Bob Hope. I mean, that was just very incredible yeah. show. I mean, that's a great lineup as is, and just seeing all that happening, it was like a watching a big time special there. And you uh, saw that one? Was, but you, you saw that one? I saw that one at UCLA or uh, Museum cool. of like Yeah, that one was great. You know, it mm -hmm. was fantastic. And, so you did see one uh, that was But good. I don't know if they're able to <laughs> yeah. do that one because they had like a salute to Paramount Pictures that might have some songs in there that they can't use, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's all it's all uh, a matter of what they have there. And, and um you know, and some of the things that they've had out there, I, I wouldn't pick out some of the shows they put out there myself, yeah, yeah. but, you know, for whatever reason they have, a lot of times, a lot of what was, I'm sure when they came to picking out the the first five seasons, they wanted shows where Tim Conway was on there. They did a lot of shows where yeah. Tim was a guest star, you know, because that's the one that everyone associates uh, seeing a lot on the show there, and um, the ones that had... Um, big names attached to them and um, so on that way but uh, I, I really don't think unless uh, they can get things really rolling I, I don't think we're going to see all the shows ever mm. um, you what's, know, especially what's I don't think she, she walked that I think that last season really I think was very indicative I think there was only three or four shows from the last uh, from the fifth season the 1971 72 yeah that she had on there, and that kind of tells me something that she still really doesn't like that one very yeah. much. Is that the season they did the Australian show? And that is that one ever going to be released? You think or no? With which show? I'm sorry. The Australian show, the one where they went to Australia. No, that's the following season. Oh, okay. uh, that one should be released. I think sometime. I think they they should have that. I've seen the full one of that one. I think they they could probably do okay. that one unless there's some kind of restrictions with Australia, but I, I think that one's okay. Now, the, the 71, 72 season was um, the last one with Bob Banner there and with the um, Tony Rosen as writer, and that was when they started reusing a lot of the um, old material, you know, have them reenact uh, everything. In fact, when I did Stu's show um, promoting the book, I showed um, 
original sketch that Harvey did with Carol in 1967 and the um, revised way they did it in 72. And both both sketches used Nanette Fabray playing the same role, yes. which I just couldn't believe. You know? <laughs> I saw was, that, uh, yeah. I yeah. shook my head. I never, like I said, I never knew that until I read the book that they would ever dare just repeat a sketch. You know? <laughs> yeah, but that's what it was telling because Arnie Rosen was just getting kind of tired and lazy and like, oh, this worked early, let's do that. And then yeah. that's what Carol was like, I can't, you know, this is not going to work for me anymore. Yeah. And um, so, you know, she had to fire him, unfortunately. And, mm. um, you know, his career never really went as well as that you know um, the writers who worked with him really liked working with him except for again Schiller and Weisskopf the ones with Red Skelton they said he wouldn't listen to them so they went to the Flip Wilson show and mm-hmm. sold the script and to their utter delight that was the script that won them the Emmy for best writing <laughs> <laughs> yeah now what what that is happened. the status of the follow-up series that she did in the summer of 79 where they did like four episodes and it had Vicky and T- Tim and I think Ken Mars and maybe somebody else I don't remember. Yeah, uh, Craig uh, Richard Nelson. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they they were uh those uh she wanted to do uh, a continuing summer series apparently with that group but then Tim got his own show on CBS the following year, and uh, they couldn't use Tim because of that. I don't think CBS was going to let ABC do that, <laughs> so that ended any progress of what they had uh, going there. Um, and I don't know, uh, I don't know of any plans to release those four of them there, even though they have, you know, people like Sally Field and Alan Arkin, you know, which would still be a pretty big draw that way, I guess. Right. Um, but it was just, uh, it was still, it was still uh, having the same effect as it did the last season, where it was just, the spark was not there with, yeah. with Harvey John. It was just... I was just thinking, at least, you know, I don't know if they have, do they have the rights to release them if they want to? They just don't? Is that really the, what it boils yeah, down to? that could be it. I've seen, okay. I've seen bootleg copies, but I don't know that. I noticed on YouTube, at least, they've cracked down a lot about um, uh, clips from Carol shows. Yeah. They used to have a lot of unauthorized use. Now it's hard to find those. A lot of them because I think she's got her own official channel and she's trying to stop people from using it that way. So, um, but again, as to what all will come out, I don't know. And I'm I'm concerned there too because I don't think. Um, the DVD sales market, you know, is as strong as it used to be. Yeah. You know, but um, what is it, the DVD talk or TV? Uh, there, there was a website devoted to reviewing DVDs and oh, yeah. going out of business, you know. And um, that's that's a shame, but I think that's the trend that people are going to be yeah. more like they don't want to, they want to have kind of what's going on with Netflix, just, you know, yeah. downloaded on the computer there and not have to mess with even the hassle, if yeah. you want to call it that, of putting in a DVD and playing it on your machine. You know, uh, just, even though I uh, still like that format, I just bought Beverly Hillbilly Season 5. Woo! 
so I'm like, I, I'm shocked when these things still come out, you know, because it, there was a while there where everything was coming out, and then now it's yeah. You might see it on Warner yeah. Archives or something, you know. It's like you know, or not, you know. It's really not nowadays. Yeah, so, so. and it's very, it's still not consistent how it came out there. I, I heard. It was because when Oprah Winfrey did a show saluting the Mary Tyler Moore show, that that finally convinced whoever owned that to, to put the rest of the, all the remaining seasons out on DVD. Yeah. At the time there, you know, and I mean, this is Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, one right. of the biggest hits of all time, yeah. you know, commercially and, and critically. And if that's having problems getting out there, that tells you um, the way things are going. Yeah. You know. Well, I'd even so, like you mentioned it a second ago, even though it wasn't the greatest show, but uh, that latter day Tim Conway variety show, you know, I used to watch that. It was cute. And, yeah. And Harvey was on it, it too. And so, you know, later on, and it's like, uh, but, you know, this stuff just doesn't come out anymore. It's just kind of weird. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what. There's stuff there. How it's just going to get out is going to be the challenge there. I think um, you know uh, it's an, it's an interesting situation now because there is a big amount of buying power out with the baby boomers. You know they actually have a lot of clout that way. But trying to convince some executives to uh, cater to them uh, is not a top priority. Yeah. You know so. I guess I should just be uh-huh. happy with what I got, you know. <laughs> when something slips out, like I said, Beverly Hillbillies, I wouldn't have normally bought that. I was never a huge fan of the show, but now it's like whenever I see something like that, mine, you know, because I know it'll probably be in print a week and then gone, you know. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to look and, and see what to get. Um, you know, I try and scour when I can on Amazon or something like that and yeah. get anything that I think is really worth uh
that's what I which is that's what I had to do for the my DePatty Freeling book. Uh, there's oh, really? that, that kids show Go uh, did yeah. a half hour about DePatty Freeling, and they had it on a VHS tape at the Paley Museum, but they wouldn't let wow. me check it out. And uh, you know, I had to go to this other room and get a copy of it, and I had to give my driver's license so I couldn't drive away with it or something like that. Fine. Yeah. So I watched the tape twice and took meticulous notes, which ended up in the book because you know, hey, I have the tape. I'll watch it twice. You know, so yeah. you know. And I've been yeah. begging. I'm work. I don't know if you know who Greg Ford is, but. Uh, He's worked for Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, and things like that, and he's compiling all these DePatty Freeling DVDs, and I've been bugging him, can he get that Go show on there? And he's been trying so hard you know, to get the rights to put that on one of the sets, but so far, yeah. no success, and so, eh, but at least yeah. I saw it. So. I, remember, I, I remember when I was doing the Bob Hope book, there, there was... Uh, one or two well actually all right it was Carol Burnett's show when I got it there when um at the Paley Center for Media in Beverly Hills there were one or two tapes that they had not they were not able to transfer um either from there was something about the transfer I couldn't do it that way so I had to watch a a, a unusual setup for them there and one of them was um the Dolly Sisters party, which I was definitely wanted to see because that was the <laughs> big one that um Hart Siegel had worked on as the original uh, hour long spoof and you know that was worth seeing even though I I'm not as enamored with it as Carol is but mm-hmm. um I had a special one there and also for the Bob Hope book um they had a um I had to go to uh, give a special machine to to watch a 1952 episode of um, him hosting the Colgate Comedy Hour Mm -hmm. uh, that they only had a partial copy available, uh, meaning um, only will have like the first half available that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're still, they still have a lot of these collections they have not transferred. I hope they're doing what they're saying, you know, and they're transferring and getting them safe copies and everything, you know, because yeah. uh, uh, a lot of these, they, they have the only copy. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard, like, a couple of the um, nominees for um, Best Picture in the early years back in the 30s, um, I think, like, the White Parade is one of them, something that UCLA has the only copies available that people know about, <laughs> you know. That's, yeah, that tells you, you know, it's just um, um, between that and, and it's a challenge for, as a researcher, as you know, uh, there's, yeah. I think the NBC archives of, of some of their um, press materials and everything, I think they've donated to University of Wisconsin or University of Georgia or something, I don't know. It's just all <laughs> out there in just different areas and, you know, you could go crazy trying to track down materials, you know, if you don't know, um, you know, I've just basically, uh, I've been lucky enough and able to um, use my connections and basically, you know, go to UCLA and Museum um, and Paley Center for Media uh, when I'm there in Los Angeles and doing one of Stu's shows in person, you know, and trying to make it up economical that way. And over here on the East Coast, I've been able to get to the Library of Congress a couple of times and uh, as well as the Paley Center for Media in um, New York, mm-hmm. you know, so. so um, but yeah, I would love, I would, I'd love, I 
didn't have to travel to those places in person, you know, and it's just like, you know, you've got to make time and, you know, they have reduced hours right. when you're available and, uh, you know, it's, it's, like I said, you know, I, I don't know if future generations, I hope they appreciate whatever, you know, freedom they have, if they can get this material downloaded to them on the computer, I hope they enjoy that, you know, because yeah. that would be a real time saver for us, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I always have been saying this in recent times, and it's I've talked to Stu about this and other people, and it's like, you know, there's all this uh, heavy, heavy interest in getting silent movies, you know, back into circulation and, uh, you know, getting them switched over to safety film and things like that and uh, finding them in uh, Swedish... Uh, you know, uh, safety, uh, safe, safes or something like that. Just weird, silent movies. But when it comes to anything from like the '60s or '70s, it's like, eh, that's garbage. And it's like, yeah, it'll become a time in about twenty, thirty years. They're going, oh, we should resuscitate all this stuff from the '60s and '70s. Oh, it doesn't exist anymore because we didn't take care of it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, I, uh, I think. Well, you know, um, uh, there are at least people like us, you know, who are interested in trying to preserve our pop culture history. And there's, um, you know, we're doing our part to get them together and and, uh, share the memories and the knowledge that we have with other people. And that's the best part about um, doing it, you know, and getting it together. Like, I know... um, you know, I think uh, you had to have been a little bit gratified about tracking down a lot of the writers for Cracked, you yes. know, for me to do the thing that way, you know, and getting their insight. That was really interesting to hear what they had to say about, you know, the rivalry with Mad Magazine and other issues they had going on there. You know, that's, um, it's, it's, you know, the stories like that, you can't, you just can't get that information. I'm sorry, you can't get it on the Internet. Yeah, saying, yeah. Oh, it's, no, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. You know, you can get. I mean, I know. I'll admit, you know, I've well, I'll say this though. Whenever I've done, when I did the Carol Burnett show book and the Bob Hope book and some of the other stuff, I did not look at anything on um, Wikipedia, especially, and usually not IMDb unless I was doing that. Yeah. Um, both of them, I know, I can tell Wikipedia, I know they've used my book as a reference yes. uh, for their <laughs> Carol Burnett show page. Uh, a lot of that stuff, I'm like, there's no way they got that information unless they looked at my book. Right. Some of the dates, some of the guest stars that were cameos in there that for things that haven't, yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, but there have been others that I know have cited me on other pages here, which I'm appreciative uh at the same time so yeah. um, but, but you know like they say that there's still a lot of misinformation in those things I think right. IMDB one time I looked and they were saying um, one uh, show in 1973 was the last episode of um, the Carol and Sis segment so I know it was yeah. done they did it one more time in the 74 season <laughs> you're there and you don't have it there yeah. uh, but you know I don't know who to contact to the IMDB or I'm not going to waste my time to contact yeah. 
have made a few changes on both IMDb and Wikipedia. It is tough sometimes because, you know, if you don't have a, a, a reference that's online, like I could say, it was in Wesley Hyatt's book. Well, that's not <laughs> online, so it doesn't exist. And it's like, you know. Uh, so maybe they use yeah. a digital copy. I don't know. But in the you know one thing I did successfully, just as an aside, you know, it's like um, uh, Chevy Chase did a special shortly after he lives, left Saturday Night Live called the Chevy Chase Show, and it wasn't on IMDb. And I said I know this existed, and it was called the Chevy Chase Show. But the only thing you ever saw was the talk show he had with that title. I was successful in getting them to put that entry on there as a separate entry that he did a special that had Tim Conway as a guest and, you know, blah, 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 you know, and it's like, <laughs> so that was courtesy of me. They don't give me any credit for it, but I got it on there because I wanted it on there. I wish that was on video, but hey, that's another story. But anyway, um, I wanted to ask you about the Bob Hope book, too. We keep alluding to it. And the first question, though, um, you know, going back to the Red Skelton, thing um why did red not have success in doing specials after he left the air um weekly and bob hope seemed to do specials until he croaked basically to be blunt yeah. you know it's like you know those last ones like it was his last one the one with tony danza the christmas one where he's like 98 or something like that or so. the, the, yeah with the tony danza one laughing with the president in 96 when he was 93 okay he's 93 he was, yeah. yeah just really yeah and it's and I met him around that time, and oh, ooh, he was out of it. And it's like, the least I can say yeah, that, Bob. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was really watching the last, I don't know, the, the, the last three years of specials were really hard to watch. Just, yeah. yeah, it was, you know, and this, is, and this was knowing that they used every kind of editing and other trick they could in the world to make him look good. <laughs> so you're realizing, gosh, how it must have been there. Um, you know, it was... Uh, but, but, but to your issue there about um, why Bob uh, prevailed and Red didn't was, uh, well, for one thing, Bob had better relations with NBC than okay. Red had with any of the executives. CBS executives thought Red was odd. Red didn't like to talk on the telephone. Uh, Red was known to um, you know, have um, weird displays of how he'd do a show, you know, he'd, after he'd do a show, he'd do his act to somebody and they'd have to wait around there, you know, after, you know, before he finished doing his act, before they could let the whole audience out and yeah. <laughs> leave the taping and, you know, it wasn't uh, thrilling that way. Um, Red was pretty egotistical. Uh, there was one time uh, I read Bill Hoban's unreleased um, autobiography where he said that Red worked, um, looked over one script and was unset with, upset with uh, not having enough lines in it and was threatening not to do the show and so on that way, you know, um, because he never, Red, Red was, it was, the show was himself and David Rose Orchestra, you know, and that was about it. Mm. You know, he didn't have a whole family of talent behind him and, um, you know, Bob was pretty generous. Bob also, you know, brought in a lot of younger talent. And he tried to make his show appeal to people of all ages and and, and go that way. Um, you know, Red, um, he did have some rock acts on during the 60s and so on that, like that, but they were taped at different times, you know, and inserted the show and, and it just <laughs> didn't, uh, 
classes with, you know, Bob would talk, usually talk to Andy Gibb and some of the others and do, you know, corny lines and let me sing and, and go yeah. that way. So, and Brooke Shields uh, every I week. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and uh, I think it was just uh, that kind of approach there. Bob, Bob was, Bob was pretty much a extrovert, a piece of people person. Yeah. Uh, Red was not. Okay. Um, and um, I think it all combined against him there, and um, you know, he's still in red. You know, red never seemed to get over that cancellation by CBS in 1970. <laughs> he alluded to it several times, and you're just like, okay, it happened. Just go on and do other things in your career. You know, uh, he um, for a time after that, you know, he he retired. And then he unretired. I think he retired in '73, and then he came back again in '75. And Johnny Carson gave him a big boost, did a show with him getting together. But uh, by then, he was considered old hat, and yeah. you know nobody, you know, used him. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I know you covered your Bob Hope book pretty thoroughly on Stu's show, and showed clips and everything of every decade and stuff like that. But I mean. Uh, did you, I guess, like with the Carol Burnett show, did you actually see every show he did? I mean, that's a lot of shows. <laughs> or <did> yeah. <laughs> no, that one's another one I think I saw about around 80% or so. Uh, there were some shows you couldn't see because, um, <clears throat> like in the case of the Colgate Comedy Hour, those aired live. They didn't do kinescopes. Oh. The only kinescopes of the Colgate Comedy Hour that survived were um, a couple with him, that somehow somehow got taped that way, and the ones with um, Martin and Lewis did because Jerry Lewis was very smart at the time. He knew about he would tell them when they're doing the show, "Hey, make a make a film copy of this for me." Oh, so I keep them on regular. I, I never so knew that. So that's why you still have them there. So Jerry had the all available, and he knew to make money off of those appearances and, and get it together. Okay. Uh, Bob got wise to that after leaving the Colgate Comedy Hour and started having stuff on film there too. Uh, I've seen for his stuff I've seen everything except uh, I think there were three specials in the 60s I didn't see and three in the 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had a harder time getting some of his specials in the mid 80s for some reason. I missed mm -hmm. a lot of those and there were a couple in the 90s but you know there were I, I saw most of the main ones I think you know, you'd see that uh, he had all of his retrospective specials. I could look, you know, hey, I know when I saw that and that sort of thing. So, yeah, um, yeah I did. I, I got it pretty well. Now, if I'd known, Stu introduced me to a guy who was uh, on film preservation. Like, I didn't know they still had, but he still had someone employed that way. If I'd known, I would have kind of accessed him and maybe watched even more of them. But, yeah. as is, you know, I've got, I watched almost as many as I. I could there, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, some of the first one to the last one, and, um, you know, the ones I couldn't, I just summarize what uh, the reviews said in Variety or whatever sources were there. So apart from the, so, uh, the kinescopes, the same question is with Carol Burnett. They all exist, or is there ones that were made later on that somehow are just missing? Um, I think... According to what Bob said, yeah, there probably is uh, the Colgate Comedy Hour looks to be missing. Yeah. That, that season only is there, fifty-two, fifty-three. Um, there may be a 
couple of others missing um, in the early 50s after his first couple of ones there. I, I'm not sure there. I think it, the third one there was with Lucille Ball. I couldn't find that one. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's around. I would think if that's around, they definitely would want to put it out, you know, the, mm-hmm. the popularity of her and uh, Bob, you know, even if it's not any, of any good quality, it's worth keeping there. Um, there were, um, yeah, a couple of, it was, it was spotty, a few others in the 50s and everything that way, but I saw the great majority of them, I, I saw it that way, and as, as well for his guest shots and everything, I saw most of his, his acting um, jobs, I think that's all about 75 to 80% of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, a good amount of his variety show appearances on other people's variety shows. He did about 200 uh, variety show episodes that I could count up. And <laughs> uh, there I might have been more around 60 to 70%, more 70%, I think. Yeah, I still have a good, I was a I'm amazed that you're able to get all his guest appearances on other shows. I mean, it's like, it seems like there's countless ones. I mean, I don't know. How, how, yeah. do, you, how do you find out ones like that? Is it just TV Guide listings or what? Yeah, well, I have a, I have a pretty big reference library. I keep okay. a few things. I've got books on, like, TV news and documentaries and every genre of television. I try and get books on that I can use and read that way, you know, and most of them have an index, so that helps a lot looking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, but, um, and just looking, I was also looking through um, some, a lot of the, um, they have, uh, what is it, the TV Guide review, not TV Guide reviews, the Variety reviews, they compiled those, so I've looked at those. Um, they, they have Bob Hope uh, cited in, as a subject in a lot of those, and that Directs you to a couple of views of shows you may not have remembered him doing that way. Um, that got there. I also, um, I was surprised I came across, I can't remember how I did, but um, I came across him doing a couple of episodes of The Big Picture, which was a <laughs> syndicated show in the 50s and 60s promoting the armed forces. Mm-hmm. And he did three episodes of them, they were online. All of them, so I was able to watch those and then get that together. And, you know, you wouldn't think that, but uh, he he did do that. And um, yeah, I just I looked wherever I could. I uh, you know wherever I could find a reference for Bob, I I did that. I think I did. Uh, I put it in um, you know the um, holdings I have there at UCLA and at um, the Paley Center for Media, and that was able to. You know, I knew I couldn't watch them all, but I could see, like, um, at UCLA, they have a holding for um, <laughs> a pilot. Phyllis Diller did Phyllis Diller Kitchen Queen with a K-W-E-N spelling that way. <laughs> and it was going to be a um, syndicated talk show hosted by her with, with Bob being her guest for the pilot. Hmm. So I was like, well, there's an interesting thing. So I'll put that in there, even though it didn't air. You know, that's yeah. an interesting thing, how you how he did that way um, and there were a couple of others that I think were hits that I found and you know if I couldn't watch them I at least knew about them and would record them you know to list okay you did this show as well so yeah, yeah I was pretty amazed I mean I thought <laughs> you know Bob's a big name you know he, I didn't realize 
you got was really shocked me there thing I had there. So. Well, that's what I'll say about this in the Carol Burnett show book is the Carol Burnett show book I said would be one I wished I had done. The Bob Hope one was one I'm glad I didn't do, but I'm glad it exists. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went through it and I go, wow, what an undertaking of this. You know, it's like every little bit of Bob Hope minutia in television. I was like, wow. <laughs> But there it is. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I tried to do it, and I tried to keep it fun and moving for people. You know, I didn't want it to be a dry recitation of what he did, you know, if I could keep it interesting and, and find out some stuff, you know, and yeah. um, give an honest take, because that's the one where I'm pretty opinionated. Well, I'm opinionated there in the Carol Burnett show yeah, book, you, you know, that's but I'm okay. not. Uh, I, I give, for a Bob one, as you know, I give a review I review uh, both the show and Bob himself and sometimes yeah. Bob is better than the show sometimes <laughs> vice versa um, you know it all, all depends that way but basically um, you know I think I've done this long enough I guess I have an ego enough that I could say you know uh, I, I have a good idea of what I think uh, works and doesn't work you yeah. know um, you don't necessarily would agree with everything, I don't think you should with anyone's thing. But I should. I try to explain why I've given a rating for everything, you know, and, and all these uh, books that I've done. And I try and you know get some examples of why. Oh, this is why this is bad, and why this <laughs> is great. And um, you know, well, I think you should if you actually watched it. You know, if you didn't watch it, then maybe not. But you know, yeah. Like, yeah. I probably, well, Carol Burnett, the exception, but, you know, I probably will not slog through every Bob Hope special ever. I mean, it was painful enough yeah. watching the Pink <laughs> Panther special for my Patty Freeling book. <laughs> but I watched yeah. it yeah. because it was about exactly. it. And, you know, and I mentioned it in my book, but for that reason. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like well, there's. I think you have to. You have to. Um, I think it's responsibility as a historian, as a pop culture historian that not only to record just the facts and everything, but also to inject a little bit of your takes to them to give them an idea, all right, this is why this is great and this is why this this failed, you know, it didn't do well in the ratings or, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and it's, um, there are always going to be ones where you're just like, this, wow, this is really good. Why didn't they watch it? And you could give various explanations and then sometimes there's just some stuff that you know just unfortunately you know just uh, didn't click with the audiences at the time and should have you know and um, that's uh, that's the way it goes um, sometimes with with everything you know like I when I did the television's top 100 book oh man uh, watching Little Ladies (laughs) in the Night I was like this is a truly trashy movie you know why this why would this you know I uh, just had to roll my eyes it's still one of the highest rated TV movies ever you know but um, <laughs> you record it and you say what you what happened what's interesting about it and what you know what its significance is because uh, yeah. <laughs> you know it's the fact so you know you have to yeah it, right. it really is um uh, it's invariably yeah, because yeah. Uh, when I did my total television productions book, I didn't want to see the underdog live action feature, but <laughs> they talked about it, and I said I should see it just to give my due diligence. That's why I always say due diligence for a lot of this stuff. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, exactly. And that's why I actually, at my Carol Burnett show, I even went to the extent of um, watching uh, Lyle Wagner's first movie, Swamp something, or I don't know. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God. Now, I was so, and I'll admit, I was uncertain about how much I was able to write about each of Carol's shows. And then luckily I learned about maybe a quarter of the way in or a third of the way in, I can't remember where, but I realized, okay, I don't need to cover the summer replacements. No one's going to care about that. Mm -hmm. It's going to take up too much space. Just summarize it at the end of each season and let people know, and they can do that thing, you know. And um, so, you know, you kind of learn a few things about what takes priority and what doesn't. Right. Uh, When you get into, um, you know, the book and, and the research and talking to people, you know, Sometimes the things that you think are going to be important aren't. Like the Carol Burnett thing, I asked everybody, you know, her daughter's drug problem was going on in 77. Did that affect the show? And everybody said no. No. no, no. She didn't have that. So I said, okay, then I'm not doing anything on that, you know. I think I might have. I'm not sure if if I even mentioned it in the book. But I, if I did, I just made a quick mention. Like, yeah, go on and, you know, I don't remember, it. but it probably was quick if you said anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and then I'm sure you've come across uh, those things, too. You know, sometimes you go in with preconceived notions about your subject, yeah. and you're like, wow, this ought to be fascinating. And then it's like, oh, and then you find out, <laughs> like, oh, it's not as much as I thought. But then other things come up that you've not heard about, like, yeah. Yeah, like in the case of Carol, uh, the the arguments between the writers there with um, in the sixth season when uh, it was uh, between Hart and Siegel and um, Buzz Cohen and his collaborator, mm-hmm. um, the clashes they had and they have how they all um, left the show at the end of the season. They all and the writing partners broke up and everything. I'm like, wow, there's that was a pretty interesting story to tell and yes. I think I told it pretty fairly from all parties involved I tried to give everyone their due yeah that stuff's neat to have in the book what, what isn't is just what I don't like what they call warts and all I don't usually like putting it in there unless it's yeah. crucial to the story you know like yeah yeah and so. it is because of the way they uh, had what happened there on on screen and, and uh, to a certain extent of what they had there you know yeah. there were um other things uh, uh, there have been other books writing about how Joe Hamilton was unfaithful to Carol during their marriage you know was hitting on some of the things and I just I was like yeah. okay I'm not gonna yeah I don't really need to say that you know that's what else yeah. actually said but, unless it yeah, made the show yeah. cancel or something then you put it in there it's like the show canceled yeah. because Joe Ham- Hamilton's philandering or whatever you know it's like yeah yeah, yeah. but I mean I'm just I just <laughs> You know, try and look for uh, anything that I can. That uh, I, I don't go out looking for controversy, but if a controversy of something comes yeah. up, I think you do have to address it yeah. and um, you know be fair about it without being exploitative. You know, it was. Uh, uh, I know when I, the television's top one hundred book, I had to talk about Laverne and Shirley because almost every source that I used there from the writer everybody had a horror story working on that show you know and, yeah. and I just summarized what it was you know and even you know one of them said that the, 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 the women themselves knew they were loathed so much that they one time gave out 
how you were upset with the uh, when they came out about Bob Hope, you know, um, cheating on his wife so much. You know, yeah. that, they were like, it destroys my image of him. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but that's what happened. Yeah. You know, to, <laughs> in fact, go on there, and there were a couple of them. I put do it pretty low key in my book, but um, there were some some of the women who were on some of the shows have been named in some of the other biographies of Bob as being um, ones that he had affairs with. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I was like, I'm not going to put up each one and say, Bob was, you know, off with this one during the, <laughs> the taping of the show or whatever, you know, like, but you, yeah. you can do that uh, otherwise. My main, my main focus was always what came across on the screen, you know, and if right. it's, uh, you know, if it didn't really impact what it was going on screen, then I don't really care, you know, what people do with their lives, you know, sexual or otherwise, right. you know, away from the screen, you know. Okay, so one last question, I guess, the inevitable. Sure. What projects are you working on now, books or otherwise? I've been trying to figure that out. That's a good question because... <laughs> I have to be honest, the Carol Burnett show book and the Bob Hope on TV books came out so well for me. Um, they they pretty much, I'd say, even exceeded my expectations. I'm very happy about the way, you know, I've got to see a lot of material, talk to a lot of good people. I've got a lot of good quotes there. Uh, for Bob Hope, when I talked to Marie Osmond alone, we had, we must have talked 90 minutes. Mm. I mean, right before she was doing her show in Vegas, and she was really giving me some good insight. And she, she would have talked more, but she had to get ready for a show, but she really had, you know, a good time talking about him and, and, and enjoying him that way. And a lot of people did, but Carol Burnett, too, and, uh, with what they said. So um, those both have been really fulfilling. Um, but I'm at a point right now where um, a lot of most of the classic TV series have been exhausted, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everything has been covered for most of the hits from the um, 50s to the 80s, say. And, you know, that'd be the main areas I'd be interested in doing that. Um, I'm toyed with the idea of maybe doing a biography of uh, Richard Dawson. That would be my first biography. Just because he's had a fascinating TV career, he was basically employed nonstop from Hogan's Heroes back in 1965 through um, Family Feud in 1985, and then after that, you know, his career virtually vanished. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it'd be a good story, but I'd have to try and see if I could work with his family on that, and also. I would, that would mean I'd probably need to make a trip over to England where he was born, you know, to check on his um, genealogy there and background right. of his family. Right. And um, so that would take some time that way. Um, so I may hold off on that. I, I've got a, a few other ideas, but I'd have to do it there. Um, you know, our publisher, Ben Omark, um mentioned one time about He'd really love to have a book done about um, the Ozzy and Harriet show, and I'm like, that would drive me crazy. <laughs> I think it would drive me crazy, like, too. <laughs> you know, I've not been a big fan of the show, yeah. and 14 years worth of episodes to go through, oh my gosh, I, I, I was like, <laughs> I can't, you know. Uh, but but I've looked beyond that. Uh, really, I mean, it really gets slim picking yeah. into any shows that... Um, lasted 
you know, seven years or more yeah. um, during the classic period that you really want to write about. Oh, and, and, uh, any other variety shows since you got, you know, basically Bob Hope and Carol Burnett and Red Skelton are all variety show type of shows with guests and things. Yeah, and there's been one written on Laugh-In. Uh, there's a guy who wrote a book on Flip Wilson that I don't think uh, I, I couldn't do. Yeah. Flip show was, was was fine enough, but I don't think there's enough there I can make a good book yeah. out of it. Um, yeah. There's done a there was a book on the Dean Martin show backstage with them. That's seemed to be pretty comprehensive uh, that way. There have been several on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones, you know, I mean, uh, I, you know, I guess if I wanted to, I could try Gary Moore show, but I don't really want to. Oh, okay, I mean, <laughs> that would be like most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it just, I, I've seen it there, but it's kind of like um, it's good, but not as good as Carol's show. Right, you right. Know, I can tell, uh, you know, it gave a lot of good thing to her at the time, and and, and got it that way, and. Um, Plus, I wrote about him. A lot of the variety shows I wrote about in my Emmy-winning TV uh, series book. Um, I wrote pretty long essays about that, and I talked with some of the people involved with them. So I feel like I've kind of covered those shows, basically, uh, um, all the way back to your show of shows. Is is there one on Sonny and Cher, or no? I don't think there's one on Sonny and Cher. I don't know if it's that worth possibly it. Possibly might be interesting, but I don't know. You know, I'd like to get Shear's cooperation to do yeah, that. And, of course. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I don't know to what extent. Um, if it was done well, I'd read it because do. I love that show, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It definitely, you know, it could, I could see some potential there, but I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I really, I've got to think right now, you know, I'm yeah. still... Oh, I'm, yeah, uh, it's just all hypothetical. I have, like, 20 book ideas, and then I go, eh, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them, the, the problem is some of them, you you have them, and the publishers aren't interested, and then yeah. you just lose interest or, or get them. I had an idea for one time about a book called Who Was Who on Television, which was going to list everyone who had passed away, who had been a regular on a daytime or nighttime series and it was going to be you know uh, it was going to I think it was around the turn of the century so I was going to I was compiling it you know, for everyone who had passed away up through ni- the end of 1999 you know mm-hmm. it was going to be like that but um, they weren't interested enough and then I said okay fine and I also thought I also pitched an idea to several agents about doing a 50th anniversary book an official one there of the Tonight Show in 2004 when it turned 50 yeah. Um, but none of them uh, seemed interested. And then, so after about trying to pitch it for four or five of them, and they, one of them said it was a great idea, but she wasn't the right agent for it. So I said, okay, then I'm, I can't find the right agent. So I'm just not going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, go through it. So um, yeah. I imagine I will. You know, it's just for me, this, this next book will be the 10th book. So I want to make it something special and, and like I said the last two came out um, really well and I felt really um, happy about the way they've been received and uh, how it was presented so I want to make sure it's right, right there too and, and as you know they're both they're pretty much well all of our bricks of books are pretty much bricks that they have yes. they're a fair man you know yes. <laughs> so, uh, they're, they're really stops, yes. books, you know? <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if you're, uh, I'm like, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're we're both very thorough about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that people people like make fun of the size of our books, and we can tell you, well, believe it or not, it could have been longer if we hadn't, you know, edited and written this fight as we did. Yeah. You know, so. I just I just uh, saw a stupid person a couple of weeks ago, and I was just at the house just to visit, and you know he said the same thing, and I go, well, you must like him enough because he had him. He, 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 I don't know if he'll ever move him. I don't want to say anything because he'll he'll move it. But I have my Dennis the Menace book and my Harvey Companion right in the line of view of anybody sitting there, and I go, hey, that's pretty cool. But I know they'll probably be moved at some point. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I want to, when I write a book, I want it to be substantial and pretty thorough, you yeah. know, and I've done, you know, that's been for most of the ones that have their, uh, oddly, um, the most interesting thing is the, uh, the smallest books have been, two of my smallest ones have been about shows that have run the longest, the Red Skelton show and the, <laughs> Monday night football book, you know, but mm-hmm. that's kind of because I gave overviews and not, you know, uh, summaries of every show on those. Um, right. You know, I do here, especially with Carol and Bob. But you know, Carol and Bob, they really deserve to have that gun there, and, and, yeah. and I think it, I think it serves its purpose okay. um, that way. So. All right. Well, any last things to plug or websites, uh, contact information, whatever you wanted to say? Um, the best way is just look at my Amazon page there. You can see all nine books that I have available uh, for sale there. It's uh, Wesley Hyatt, W-E-S-L-E-Y-H-Y-A-T-T. Um, I don't have, I did have a website at one time, but it crashed, and so <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've been too lazy to get it up since then. Um, but, you know, I hope people will um, take a chance and look on them and might find something of interest uh, on on what they have in these areas there. I think um, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, to me it's a lot of fun uh, writing them as, as it is reading them. And, uh, you know, I, I often look back in them myself because there's so much information in there that sometimes you're like, what? Oh, God, well, what is it? And, uh, have to remind me when I got there and uh, <laughs> I, I've been doing this now for 20 years and um, it, it's gotten a little easier but it's still you know it's still uh, challenging but it's a good challenge and I like uh, you know the, uh, I'm glad I'm pretty glad with uh, what I've gotten if anybody has an idea for my next book pass it along to me through <laughs> you and I'll, I'll consider it all right. Well, Sonny and Cher was my selection, so there you go. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> the beat goes on. All right. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just talk about good times, and you have to talk about uh, um, the nitty-gritty hour, too. So there you go. <laughs> Those little things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. There, well, there'd be a lot to, you know, maybe even the, the Hudson Brothers razzle-dazzle hour and all that. There we stuff. go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> pleasure to talk to you. I will see you in the next Stu show as one of the resident TV critics that's always on there and all right. well, thank you appreciate that all right and it was good talking to you and hope to talk to you soon all right take care thank you very much bye bye thank you for listening and thank you again wesley hyatt for being my special guest episode number 14 will be coming soon if you would like to comment 
and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a Patreon of Fun Ideas Productions by giving us at least a dollar. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2018, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much, and have a good night.